Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Before we talk about playoffs, let's uh, discuss the NHL draft lottery. And I think it was the first time in seven years last night, and we're recording this on Wednesday, that the Wild was involved in that process. And, of course, with Minnesota sports luck these days, they not only don't go up, they drop one spot. I know. that. that that's why that lottery drives me crazy. I, I just, uh, you know, I just feel strongly that, Bad teams at the top that had the lowest amount of points. Uh, you could talk about tanking and that. It might make a difference in about four or five points. But other than that, uh, you know, the bad teams are still going to be bad. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I think that, uh, first of all, the only ones that should be involved in a lottery are, are if there is a lottery, mm-hmm. are no more than five teams. I'd even say three, but five, because that, that's going a little too far. That's getting too far-fetched. Because you take a team like Chicago, their points, they were 11th or or, or so, and, and they jump all the way up to three. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, some of those bad teams are a lot, you know, they're, they're worse in Chicago, and they need more help in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, definitely. And look, I, I just don't understand why. Why they do that, I, I, I've never agreed with it. I just think that, uh, you know, the draft is made to help teams that need help, and the teams that need help are a lot more uh, in dire straits than, than teams that are 10 or 8 positions behind them. And it used to be, what, was it the was it only the bottom five, Lou? They're, they changed no, it I mean, no, They changed it, but I, I don't even know if it was even the bottom five. Okay. The, you used to be able to move up only three spots. I mean, they've had so many different changes that I, I just, you know, when I went to the lottery years ago, I didn't agree with it at that time. And then they, they tried. They're always trying to get it better, which is which is good. But to me, uh, to include all the non-playoff teams in that, a, a team might have missed the playoff by one point, and you got somebody else, uh, you know, fifteen, twenty points worse than you. Yep. And you might you might win the lottery and jump them. That makes no sense. How good, uh, f- from what you've heard or seen firsthand, do you think Jack Hughes is? And it sounds like he is probably going to go first overall to the Devils. Well, I've seen him uh, a number of times with the USA development team, and, and uh, he's truly a skilled player. He's very, very gifted. Uh, he sees the ice so well. He skates and handles the puck so well. He's not big yet. He's going to have to get a little more size on him just because, you know, 82-game schedule is grueling and you're going to get hit, but uh, he'll grow. But if you just look at his brother, Quinn, that played at Michigan this year, and we saw him come in uh, 
to play the Gophers, and, and he's a great skater, and he walked right into the Vancouver lineup here at the end of the season. Uh, I was hoping that Vancouver was going to win if somebody else, uh, the Wild, didn't win, because it would have been nice to see the brothers playing, playing with the, each other there. Sure. But uh, I, I think that, you know, he whether he's a generational player, that's hard to say, because you, you look at what uh, Eichel and uh, what he's done. I mean, we've had some great players, and in Connor McDavid and Michael and Austin Matthew to come out, and uh, whether he's in that category, it's hard to say because the one thing he isn't right now, he's not as big as any of those three, and and size doesn't matter a bit. But he's still going to be a tremendous hockey player. Yeah, he's a seventeen-year-old uh, kid who's, yeah. who's impressive, right. but but. In your old job or, or current GM's job, that's got to be one. And and Hughes is probably going to be an outstanding player, but that's got to be one of the most difficult things is simply trying to project where a seventeen or eighteen year old kid is is going to be physically, let's say, in four years. Well, you know that's right. It's funny you said that because one of the things that uh, you know Brian Lawton had a lot of talent, and one of the things we liked about him too is we thought that. Uh, he was going to, his father's a, a big man, and, and uh, his mother, they're big parents. And we thought Brian was going to grow uh, into that size, which he didn't do. But it's always something that you, it's one of the things you're looking at when you're looking at players. You're looking at skill, you're, look, you're looking at his uh, hockey IQ, you're looking at his leadership ability. And you also you want to try and project where they're going to be physically. Because that sure. makes a difference. Because at that time, for instance, our big hurdle to get over was the Islanders, and to get over the hurdle with the Islanders, you had to have somebody compete with with Trotje. and uh, so that's you know there's a lot of things you look at, and that's something that when you're picking, you're hoping that the guy's going to grow and and uh, and be be much stronger physically. The uh... The Wild fell, as we said before, Lou, from 11th to 12th. Is the 12th spot in this draft, in your mind, is that a borderline spot where you might be able to draft a kid who can help you in 2019-20, or is that probably not going to be a realistic scenario? I don't think it's going to be a realistic scenario. I think you're going to get a good player. But if you go back and check all the times that uh, you've looked at players and how many really step right into the National Hockey League after the draft, usually if you get past five, you're lucky if you get somebody who comes into the lineup. And usually it's in the top two or three. And so I'd be surprised if there was someone there that could step right in. Yeah, You know, I, I, I was wondering when I was looking at it, and one of the things you think about is uh, the team itself, the Wild, and Fenton when he's looking at who might be there at 12, and then he might look at, hmm, I wonder if I could jump up to X slot if there's a certain player, like a Dutch. That big kid I was watching him on the, on the uh, NHL channel playing in the playoffs for Saskatoon. Mm-hmm. And he's a big, big, strong kid. He can play, he plays center, but he can play wing. And you're wondering, you know, where he was supposed to go, and it was looking like he was going to go six, seven, or eight or something down there. And you say, I wonder what what uh, somebody would want from the wild to drop the twelve, and and what what they might have to do. They, that then you might get a guy because that guy physically looks like he could step into the NHL right now. 
So, so you're you're saying you take your 12th pick and a current player on your roster, or, package, or draft choice, or draft choice, and package that to get up to a yeah. fifth pick or, or something along those well, lines. Or, or no, it might it might be seven or eight. Is what I'm saying. Okay, you might not have Just to be, move okay. that high. Gotcha. Because there are, there are a number of Russian players that are, are good too. That might go three, four in there, and and so they're you know. When you when you look at the draft, you're getting drafting guys from all over the world. So you you got candidates all over the world that are pretty good. So you might not have to move up that far to get somebody that's physically ready. Gotcha. And that Dutch kid does look like he's physically ready. So we are recording this on on Wednesday, and of course the playoffs start tonight. Uh, how exciting is this when when you're a player or executive, Lou? How exciting is this day? And I guess the flip side to that question, too, is how daunting, because when you think of, of, about this, tonight you're starting a process where you could play, what, as many as 28 games. They're all absolutely top-line type of games. So what's the excitement and what's so, sort of the um, sort of the mindset, too, as players or executives get set to start this playoff push? Well, I, uh, for years I always said it's the hardest trophy to win. And it is because it's such a grueling road to win the Stanley Cup, and and when you start, you know the your adrenaline today and all those teams, especially the ones playing tonight that don't have the extra day off till tomorrow, they're just you know higher than a kite. And I have to tell you, when you look at the matchups, Judd, I I don't know, I can't recall a year recently where there was a prospect of so many upsets. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't see, with the exception of maybe Tampa, I don't see any really clear-cut favorites here. I, I, I see the possibility of, 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 in these matches, of everybody being able to upset the other team. This is, I think this is going to be sensational first round. I'd be very surprised if it wasn't. There, there's just so many key uh, things going into these teams that are playing each other, and, 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 and and they're so close. I, I think that this is going to be wonderful. So give me right now when you look at the matchups, East and West, Lou. Give me what you see as as perhaps the biggest upset that could take place here in the opening round. Well, that, like I don't know if you'd call. I like I could see Colorado beating Calgary. Yep. And yep. and and Colorado just got in. Calgary won the division, but that is that really. Those two teams, you know, Colorado is a quality team. They're getting uh, Ratton back, and and he was their second leading scorer all year till he got hurt. I, I I could see that happening. I I don't think that you know that can happen. And uh, I don't see Columbus beating Tampa. Although you know Bobrovsky got hot, Columbus got a, a pretty darn good team too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I think Bruins are going to be Toronto, but that wouldn't be that wouldn't be an, uh, an upset. I I I I kind of see Vegas beating San Jose, and that might be an upset. I think that that's going to happen. I you know I I just and Winnipeg St. Louis, you know, both of them have goaltending uh, uncertainties, shall we call it? Bennington's really played good for St. Louis since he's come in. Is he going to continue? And Halibut's been. You know, we've we've seen the ups and downs of him, and so uh, you know, it, it's really something. I I think it's going to be something scary. And Washington should beat Carolina 
And that would be the biggest upset in my mind if that happens. It does look good enough to win to win uh, the whole thing again. They they could end up winning the cup again. Carolina is has I should say the prospect though of being a great a great story. I think. Oh, I think it'd be a tremendous story. They they are really playing well. If you watch them, they're really playing well, and and they had an unsettled goalie situation for a long time. But now they're getting good goaltending too, and and. Their team is fast. They're young. I think their team is going to be good for a while. It, it's not. This is not a. I don't think a short-term thing. Carolina. Two uh, two years ago, I was in Traverse City to watch a, the young prospects of, of six of the teams. Carolina was one of them. Sure. They had the best young prospects there. I mean, there was Chicago there, Columbus was there, Wild were there, uh, Rangers were there. Uh, Carolina's team and Detroit was there, and Carolina's team won it, and they should have. So and Dallas was there. So they had they they've got some good young players coming, and I I think they're going to be good for a while. I, I think to your point in the West, Lou, every series could be, and it probably won't be, but every series, uh, aside from the uh, Sharks and Golden Knights, who probably wouldn't be an upset if that goes to the Golden Knights, has the prospect of being directly impacted with the underdog winning that series based on what you brought up, which is goaltending. Grubauer in Colorado, Bishop in Dallas, Bennington in with the Blues. Every one of those, three of those four, if the goaltenders play as well as they have, and in Bishop's case, if he can stay on the ice, could be massively impacted by the fact that the underdog probably has the better goaltending. Well, I I, I have to tell you, I, I think that Dallas got a real good chance to beat Nashville, and they are the underdog. They should be. But it just seems to me that Nashville, during the year, has not taken that step forward. And I and I, I know Rennie's got a tremendous history of being a good goaltender, but uh, his history in the playoffs has been, I'd say, somewhat spotty. He's been terrific, and then he's had games where he's been pulled. He's been, you know, out, out to lunch. So I, that's going to be a series that. Another one that uh, could be a cliffhanger. Are you more, more concerned if you are in charge of the Preds or, or the Jets? Because both those teams certainly have the personnel to be very good, but both, as we discussed, I think, on the podcast last week, have been very uh, erratic throughout the course of this season. I'm more concerned if I'm the Jets right now because Nashville has had some great success. They've gone to the finals. They've done a lot of stuff. The Jets haven't done that much yet to get there to the finals, and they were close last year and could have got there. And and I think that who they drew in this first round is is really tough. I mean, to to get St. Louis since January second, I think was the number one team in the NHL, mm-hmm. and they were at the bottom. At least they were, you know, they were at the bottom of the league in the NHL at that time, and they ended up, yes. you know, yeah. joining the division. So. Yep. Uh, you know, you like to be going into the playoffs on an upward trajectory, and they certainly have had that. East uh, Eastern Conference. Let's start uh, with a series that we talked about a little bit last week, Bruins and Leafs. Oh. I think you, you said it's going to be great fun. I agree completely. Now, I, I like Boston to win that one, but Toronto, I keep coming back to, if Toronto gets its act together, can be really damn good. Toronto could be more than damn good. They could win the whole thing if they got their act together. But, but they can't. Uh, you know, they, they definitely have uh, 
enough firepower up front to to play with anybody. They, they got you know you you got Austin Matthews and Tavares to start out, and and uh, Marmer and and uh, and Nylander. They got so much up front; it's unbelievable. It's their defense that is the key in that series. I personally picking Boston too because. Uh, Toronto's defense haven't shown me in the last month and a half that they're going to be good enough to win. And if they do play well enough to win, they they can be as dangerous as anybody. Mm-hmm. Because uh, when Anderson, he might have slipped a little bit in goal the last month, but Anderson's given them good goaltending since they've acquired him about two years ago now. And and up front, they just got magnificent balance. Uh, Jake Gardner, I think, is a big key. He was out, and, you know, they've had so many times people were calling for Gardner to be traded around there and, yeah. and reporters, et cetera. When he went out, they saw how much that he's missed now. Now you know what's going to happen. Now they're going to start having to figure out how do we pay Gardner because he's, he's going into his free agency and, and maybe deal off a guy like Nylander where, you know, we can get under the cap. Because he's proven how valuable he is to that team. Because without him, that team really, really went down downhill a bit. And uh, I think he opened a lot of eyes by not playing. Because he can skate, moves the puck, and he's a threat offensively. And that's something that they need, is to get the puck out of the zone, yep. which they weren't doing as well. Morgan Riley's tremendous. He could win the North Trophy. But other than that, no, Morgan Riley, and, and uh, they added Muzzin, but he's... A part of the puzzle, Jay Gardner, to me, is an even bigger part. So the, the weird thing about the Leafs is this, Lou. We all think to ourselves, look, it's a good young collection that's you know continuing to grow and grow, but you just brought up the best point. They're going to be salary cap strapped. So actually, the, the roster that they're going to take into this playoffs is going to have to be deconstructed a bit as well. So this might be their best chance because they do have so many components. And when they get to June or July, uh, Dubas is going to have to, their GM is going to have to begin to make some moves to free up some cap space, right? That's exactly right. I think that uh, up front that this is going to be as good as they're going to be, you know, maybe for the next two years, because you you have to remember with all the money being spent up there and you got Marmer at the end of the year is going to have to be negotiated. Yep. Uh, you know, and, and you got Austin Matthews making a ton, Tavares making a ton, uh, Kadri, <laughs> Neeland, I mean, Leeland is making about $6 million. Uh, I mean, this this is their shot at it as far as the forwards go right now. And so after that, they're going to have to make some moves to improve the defense, and it's going to be at the expense of the offense because they can't keep all those high-salary guys up front. What's the pressure like there right now if you're Babcock, too? Funny you said that. This is the first time that I've ever seen anything written about Babcock, and I, I saw it yesterday, and and one writer saying that you know maybe Dubas has got to make a change in coaching. Can you believe that? I mean, here you got a guy that's, <laughs> there for eight years, six million dollars, yeah. and uh, and he hasn't got far enough in the playoffs for them. And they start going back to nine years since he's been in the conference final or whatever. They're 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 now bringing up his record about and and by the way, he might have said something about he didn't think they were deep enough. He did. Uh, yeah, I heard and those so, quotes. Yes. Yeah, when you start making those quotes uh, about your general manager and, and you're not winning with the team you got. Uh, you're starting to put yourself, uh, you're, you're in the chopping block, I think. And and so 
success for him is a big thing coming in this playoff because he definitely will be getting a lot more heat and a lot more, uh, shall we say, uh, being under the spotlight than he's been for a long time as far as whether he should be there or not because that team has spent a lot of money and got a lot of assets. Uh, you know, they, they might be able to get a, one or two guys move up front, but uh, they, 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 they're going to have to make some changes if they don't win it this year. That Toronto coaching job has to be one of the toughest in pro sports. Yeah, I, well, you can you can bet that there's only one other place that you got you get the kind of scrutiny that they get in Toronto in the market, and that's in Montreal. Sure, because, because I I remember coming home one time we played up in Montreal and we won a big game up there, and I was reading the Montreal papers coming back on the plane, both English and the French paper, and so when I got back, I went and we land. I pick up the Minneapolis paper and we were on the third page. Of the Minneapolis Sports Tribune, and I, and you know, we beat Montreal. It's a big deal in those days. And I went down to the editor, and I said, "I want to see you for one reason." What's that? I said, "I came back and saw us on the third page here. I just want to show you what a hockey town was like." And I, I threw the La Presse on there. They had sixteen pages of our game. Sixteen pages. Sixteen. Sixteen pages. We don't even do that for Vikings game. games, Lou. And, oh, it, was, it makes the Vikings look like they don't exist. <laughs> 16 pages. Wow. And so when I say the markets when they're covering teams, Montreal and Toronto are unbelievable. And if you drive up to or fly up to Montreal in the summer, I don't care when you're there, what time you're there, there's a number of stations just talking hockey during the day in the summer. Wow. That's like, yeah, that's like here with yeah. with. with... Football to a degree, not the probably yeah. not as passionate, but to a degree, yeah. Wow, that's so six. So what do you? What was on page sixteen or fifteen of, of this cover? Are they dissecting the face-off battles? Oh, they dissect everything. They oh. dissect the game, the the play, the stops, the, the goals, the, uh, what it means to the teams have lost, the the how the you know how the North Stars played. They go through everything. They find they they find out everything. It's just it's just amazing. I I I would tell you this in oh I want to say it was ninety uh, five so it was four years after I was out of hockey mm-hmm. or no it was ninety eight ninety eight seven years after I was out of hockey I was going up to a conference in Quebec City and I drove from Montreal flew to Montreal driving to Quebec City and I wanted to get. Uh, some you know a chocolate bar or something. I, I pulled over to the gas station, and a guy walked out and could hardly speak English. And he said, "Lou Nanny, what are you doing up here in the summer?" <laughs> and I hadn't been in hockey for seven years. I hadn't been managing for ten years. Wow. You know, it's just they follow everything and everybody in that sport. What in, in your mind? What's the most pressure-packed hockey market in the states? Uh, I'd have to say, well. Probably New York, because even though they don't get as much coverage as some of the other places, you you got three papers covering you, three or four, and and you do have the eyes of the world on you. You know everything does come out of there. When when you look around the country, you know Philadelphia's. Uh, it seems like a hotter market that they're covering, and and Boston's really a good market. But I think overall. 
New York's got everything, all the eyes right on you. I think that that's, that's, that's you know, big. And the other, the other ones, you know, are Chicago. Chicago's always, now that they've come up, before they were televising their games and, and uh, before Rocky and, and uh, McDonough developed that market as it has today, they, they never got that kind of coverage. But sure. Chicago's, Chicago's pretty big, too. But I think New York would be the one. Larry Brooks at the post, Lou. I think yeah, that's part Larry. of the reason why. <laughs> didn't didn't yeah, Jacques? He he ripped. I, I think he spent a, a good portion of time that Jacques was with the Devils trying to rip the trap, and then I think I think he drove Torchetti absolutely out of town when uh, John was coaching the Rangers. You mean Tor- uh, Tortorella? Tor- yeah. Oh yes, yeah, Tortorella. Yeah, yeah. I, you know it's funny. I, I, it's not going to happen yet, but it could happen because Sato just retired as president, so they're going to hire a president. And the two guys most named that are top candidates would be John Davidson, who's the president of Columbus, and he was president of St. Louis. Before that, he was the broadcaster in New York and played there. You know, so Davidson is one guy, the other guy's Eiserman. But I, I was thinking to myself, just laughing, if if they hired Davidson and he went in there for right now, and, and in two years the Rangers had made significant strides up, especially with the young guys that they've got and the draft choice they got. Uh, you know, <laughs> I could see Davidson bringing Tortorella back, and that would <laughs> Larry Brooks would have a heart attack. Oh, wouldn't that be something? Yeah. yeah. I always thought that for Torts, that that was a, a market that was probably a little bit too much scrutiny. Columbus and Tampa are probably great places because you got a couple of papers or one paper and a couple of people. The, the New York market always seemed like a little bit much because those, as we've talked about before, those reporters love to get in your face. Well, yeah, but it didn't bother him, so it doesn't matter. I mean, he, you know, it's like water off a duck's back. He, <laughs> he's going to be who he is, and and, uh, and uh, I like the way he coaches. I think he does a great job coaching, and, and he's he's very controversial with the press. There's no question about that. He, he, <laughs> he reminds you a little of Belichick as far as the temperament goes. Yeah. You know, and the way he's going to respond at at, uh, at press conferences, but yeah. he he gets his point across, and he, and it's going to be interesting to see this year. He almost, if you look at it, I mean, how many overtime games did they have last year with Washington? Washington to have come out of that series was was lucky, and they end up winning the cup. Well, now he's got a chance with his old team, Tampa, because they're playing them first. And he's got a pretty good team, so it should be a, it should be a fun series. I was gonna, I was going to say they've got the Blue Jackets have skill too. If they put oh, together, got a lot they've of got skill, a good yeah. team. Yeah, and, and nobody added more to the deadline than the Blue Jackets. So, uh, Joel Quenville takes the Panthers' job. Your thoughts on on Bugner being fired and Quenville, who I think there was a report at some point in time during the course of the season after he got fired in Chicago, Lou was going to get the Flyers' job. Quenville ends up in Florida. Well, if I had to go to Vegas and bet a thousand dollars three weeks ago on where Quinville would end up, I would have bet in Chicago. I mean, in in uh, Florida, because uh, you know Dale Tellen did a great job getting that roster going in in Chicago, and he hired Quinville. He brought Quinville in there, spent the year, and then he uh, he was taken out of his job. There was you know a, a different situation there, and. and Dale wasn't very happy about it, and so he went and came to Florida. Mm-hmm. And and he and Quinville remained very close. And when when the Hawks won their first cup, 
because I talked to Dale about it, and he's down here in Florida, and Dale said, they call me from the locker room. Joel called me from the locker room with some of the players. And and uh, they, you know, just want to thank me. And then they they had him go meet them in a bar after, you know, when they were celebrating. Yep. So he and Quinville stayed very close. He he, he has the highest, highest, uh, you know, praise for Quinville. And so when Quinville, you know, uh, sat out, he had two years, so it was going to be tough to take $6 million a year. I don't know how they worked it out, how much the team made or whatever. But I figured this year, if Florida did not make the playoffs, and not that Boogner didn't do a good job, but there was no way if, if Dale could get his owner to spend the money that Quinville wasn't going to be here. So it's not a surprise. Okay. Um, Housley gets fired by Buffalo. Did that did that surprise you? One and two, I think he got two years. Is that enough time to affect change, or or was that not the fairest firing? I guess is the best way to put it. Well, I hate to say it, it didn't surprise me. I knew that when I was doing the state tournament, and uh, we went to the commercial break, and my partner was talking about you know uh, Housley. We were showing the great players in the state tournament, and he says. And he's doing a great job in Buffalo, and we went to commercial break, and I said, i got to tell you, uh, I, I, he, I think he's going to lose the job at the end of the year hmm. unless they turn it around between now and the end of the year. He said, why? He said, they started off winning 10-11 in a row. They were on top of the league, and when you fall that far in that period of time and miss it two years in a row, especially after the additions like Skinner that they made and the high draft choice they had, I said, I don't see some of these owners having a long fuse and uh and the pagulas you know they made some changes in buffalo and the football the same way they they made some changes when they first came in with the hockey team so i said mm, i'm really worried for phil i hope i hope i'm wrong but i don't think he's going to make it unless they turn it around in the next month yeah and it's funny too Lou, because they the Sabres did the exact opposite of the Blues. I think if you go back to December and look when Buffalo, if I'm not mistaken, put together a 10-game winning streak, was in first place overall in the league. And as we talked about about around Christmas, the Blues were in last place, and the Sabres just went on a free fall after that. That's why I think that, uh, you know, uh, Phil lost his job. And they not been as good so early. And say they ended up with the same amount of points. Yep. But the win-loss pattern was different throughout the year, more balanced and not so skewed one way and then the other. I think he might have survived. But to have have it early, the first half of the season, and shown that you're capable of winning that many games and being on top of the National League, and and then falling right off the face of the earth, missing the playoffs and, and falling down that far, I think that that's, that was a telling factor. Do your sources tell you that Todd McClellan is going to surface with the uh, Kings or the Sabers? Because it sounds I like he's kind of go, I, I, you know, I kind of think he'll go to the Sabers. If you have to remember when when you're when you're a coach and you're and if you have two opportunities like he's got, you got to look at the roster and the age of the teams. Well, Los Angeles is older. Their better players are older. They got. Uh, almost a situation where they could be strapped by the uh, salary cap because of Kovalchuk and Dustin Brown and, yeah. and you know, guys that are over, older. Uh, they missed the playoffs there this year. And 
and then you look over at Buffalo and say they're younger, they missed the playoffs, but look at the skill that they've got and some of the players, and uh, you know it's it's a real good hockey market. Buffalo's an excellent hockey market. I I I don't think there's any doubt in my mind unless Buffalo doesn't offer him the job mm-hmm. that he will take the Buffalo job. All right. Look- Last thing, let's go through the playoff matchups, and if I can get predictions from you on the first-round series, that would be awesome. Let's start with uh, Tampa Bay and Columbus. Uh, i I got to go uh, Tampa and six. and Ooh, I, I could be wrong in every one of these, but oh, let's that's go. Fine. That's good. Tampa and six. Tampa and six. Okay. Boston and Toronto, you already said you think Boston wins. Does it go seven? Yeah. Uh, I think that, that could go seven, yes. Washington and Carolina. Mm. I think that that's going to go six and Washington will win it. Okay. Islanders and Pittsburgh, last series in the Eastern Conference. I think Pittsburgh's going to win that in seven. I think you're right there. I do think, though, the job that, that Lamarillo and Trotz have done oh, in New York tremendous. is off the charts. <laughs> it's one of the It great- was tremendous. Yeah, yes. I think it's tremendous. I do, too. All right, Western Conference. Let's start with uh, Calgary against Colorado. Oh, that's the one. Like you said, which one really got me? Pull the trigger, Lou. You Do know, it. I got I got to tell you, it's going to be uh, uh, Calgary in seven. Oh man, I was hoping you'd go with Colorado. That's going to be fun. I was going to go with Colorado. I just changed my mind right now. <laughs> how good? How, how okay, good? I, I'll give you Colorado in seven okay, because okay. I think that's my one best upset, as I said before. How good is Calgary's other? Goaltender, it's Riddick, right? Yeah, he played better in the road than at home, so that's why I'm. Oh. That's another reason why I was, you know, thinking Colorado could win it. All right, so so you are going Avalanche in seven in that series. Yeah. All right, yeah. San Jose against uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. Vegas in six. Mm, all right, Nashville and Dallas. Oh boy, I almost I, I hate to say this, but I think uh, I think uh, I think. I think Dallas is going to win that in seven. That's going to be a hell of a series then. Yeah, yeah. And last one for you, uh, the Winnipeg Jets and the St. Louis Blues. Well, that's one that's, you know, I I, I don't want to pick St. Louis because I think i got to go with the Jets in seven. I, I, but I'm telling you, I think St. Louis is really dangerous. Yeah, and the Jets, you know, there's just something about the Jets, and, and perhaps it's yep. because the Wild played so so well against them. They swept them, I think, in five games. There's something about the Jets when I've watched them this year doesn't look like last season. So, it might me too, but I'm also you know concerned. St. Louis' goalies, you know, has only got about 40 games in the NHL, sure. and that's why I'm picking I'm picking Winnipeg. All right, outstanding, Lou. Talk to you next week. Thanks again. Thanks.